Welcome to Red Eye, a conversation series where V and I sit down and have the type of conversation you would have on a red-eye flight late at night when the world is asleep. All sorts of thoughts can pop into your mind, and we keep things thoughtful and entertaining as we discuss these ideas. Today's topic is current events. We got we to gotta talk about the Super Bowl a little bit and uh, just talk about life life a little bit. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll kind of kick off here, V. I just uh, had, a, had a nice little trip down to Texas over the weekend. Uh, popped into Dallas, Fort Worth area. I saw this thing called the Stockyards, which is like this place in Fort Worth where they do all this like cattle trade, essentially. And um, apparently they still do like huge like meetups to trade cattle. But this kind of particular location was like I guess a central point in cattle trade for cowboys back in the day. So it's like super Western. And um, this is my first time, I think going somewhere so Western, seeing all the cowboy boot stores and the hat stores and all the taxidermy animals. And I was like, well, I am in Texas, but it was a, it was a really fun time, bro. Like, I got love when you get to experience culture. That's like nothing like what you see on a day to day, day to day. How did how did that vibe with your Hindu belief system? Seeing all those 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 cows getting ready to be slaughtered. <laughs> it was fine. It was fine. I mean, like, at, I you know what's interesting is like when you think about like meat eating, right? It's a hot concept with Hindus. It's like, do you do you do it or do you not? And there's so many vegetarians, especially in Brahmins, but uh, I know a lot of a lot of Brahmins that don't believe non-veg eating is bad, um, yeah. as long as you're offering gratitude to the animals for serving their role. And I think it comes from like the bigger picture is like the cow holiness comes from the usefulness of the cow, which is that you get milk and you get uh, fertilizer for your fields. Like cows serve a very functional purpose, and so um, that to me it's it's like one of those rules that originated because of the times as opposed to because there was something specific with cows spiritually you know what i'm saying yeah i mean there is obviously the 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 spiritual connection specifically with krishna and nandini but you know that that is a there's whenever cultures progress specifically once you come to a culture like america where it's really really hard to avoid uh beef eating culture like even growing up it's like you know if you were the kid that went to mcdonald's and couldn't get the cheeseburger or couldn't get the you know the offerings weren't there until yeah. recently you know and so and then also just the cultural phenomenon of steaks and and burgers it's 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 something that i think um just the general idea i mean appreciating and understanding that something has to die for you to eat your meal um is valuable and i think you know some of my issues that i have with some of these like hardcore organizations like PETA, you know i completely understand that furring animals and stuff like that but i think their positions oftentimes are are are, are very restrictive and, and kind of almost like you know it's like organized religion in a lot of ways in the sense that you know you make people feel guilty for their decisions versus encouraging people to make decisions um wisely yeah i heard something from a consciousness perspective of animals as well like obviously animals are alive and they're conscious um, but i think a lot of us project like humanity uh in that sense onto animals and i think it's is a different state of consciousness um than what we experience so while animals feel love and they feel emotions they feel fear um 
the experience, as I've heard it described, of being an animal is a hazy existence without the level of self-recognition and self-awareness that comes with being a human being. So it's like a phase of almost like refinement for consciousness as it elevates through um, through different life forms in a sense. So um, I think from that lens, it's important to you know, love and care for animals. But at the same time, like if as a part of the societal construct, you're eating animals and that's like the way that you need to get food because of the times that you live in, that's what it is. And like, even if that's what you prefer, that's what it is at that given time. And it's like, you have to, I think, go through your own individual journey of what that means to you and where the line is for you and what's right and what's wrong. But I think like, yeah, it's so funny that um there's such a stark stark contrast between like the culture of a texas and a culture of a california when it comes to things like we're talking about yeah. but then yeah. at the same time everyone's eating the food so it's not like one, one group of people's but everyone's eating it right unless you're you know you're vegan or something and even even those people um who are actually taking care of the animals and, you know, raising them and taking them to slaughter and everyone involved in that supply chain, in my experience, like has a lot more actual love and empathy for the animals than the people who are remote getting them from the grocery store and eating them or getting it from the restaurant eating it. Right. So it's like, to me, it's like when you visit a cultural ecosystem where, um, people are more craftsmen, there's just a greater appreciation for the natural natural resources of the earth and that i think that includes animals yeah and you know one thing to add to that is if you want to see how nature actually operates there are carnivores there are herbivores you know there are omnivores you know i mean like these things are 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 the reality of how nature actually exists a lion needs to eat meat for sustenance and for survival um you know and there's another animal like a panda doesn't is a true vegetarian you know um (laughs) yeah and that is kind of how the world works and i think there's a lot of like kind of these these trains of thought on veganism on being a vet the different thoughts like i'm going to be a pescatarian i'm a vegetarian no i'm a i'm a vegan you know, and the reality is there are studies that can support almost any diet that you exist. There are people who are very healthy that eat a strictly meat only diet. You know what I mean? Um, and there are also people who are healthy. When I was younger, you know, a lot of my family and the older generation, specifically my grandparents and that generation, are true strict vegetarians. And when they'd come to America, it would almost be shameful like people would be like think it was weird that they didn't eat meat you know what i mean Mm. um and i think that's shifting now and i think that's the thing about this that this and many of these kind of societal and cultural phenomena that bother me a little bit is it's like what you eat is a personal choice so long as you um are conscious of what you're eating and also are accepting of the consequences there are studies that show eating a lot of red meat is a carcinogen and you know that if you eat a red lot of red meat but i don't think there's anything to be gained by almost trying to shame others because they don't fit into the same category 
you know, a vegan, a, a vegetarian and a, car- and a and a true carnivore can sit down at a table and have dinner at the same place without it being labeled, oh, we serve strictly only vegan. Like, yeah, that stuff always kind of annoys me. <laughs> I would say that exactly what you're talking about, too. That's like that personality type of um, you do whatever you want. I'm going to do whatever I want. I won't judge you. You're good. It's something that I think the state of Texas prides themselves on, right? Like that, that to me is the brand of Texas. If you're like, what are Texas people like? They're basically like, leave me the hell alone and do whatever you want. I don't care. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, transitioning into sport, uh, when I saw Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving requested that trade last week, which was very surprising, but not surprising, you know, with the history that he's had with the Nets organization and the antagonism that, that exists there. Um, not surprised that he would want to leave. I ended up posting this over the weekend. I found it so interesting that, well, I, first of all, Dallas, I think, is a great fit for him alongside Luca. It poses potential defensive concerns from a backcourt perspective, but those two are freaking incredible players. So I'm really excited to see them play side by side. Um, but then also from like a cultural, political standpoint, had Kyrie been in Texas, a lot of the things that he he did end up getting in trouble for, he would have not had any issue uh, had he been in Texas for, for the movie he shared or for, for really anything um, vaccine related and all of this stuff. And so I just found it an interesting point um, in society that New York, this city that's, you know, really like focused on trying to be the central central point of thought especially more like liberal perspectives, which are supposed to be associated with societal freedoms and individual freedoms. I found it really interesting that the environment there was less tolerant of him than the environment in Texas. Yeah. I mean, of course, around certain issues, right. Um, when it, when it comes to, uh, thoughts on race, um, it, I think he definitely, I think around the vaccine, I mean, that's, that's very clear why that would be, he would face more issues in an East coast city versus in a Texas people who don't even believe that the, the virus is real and don't necessarily think too much and don't understand the science behind vaccinations quite as much. Um, I live here in Texas, so I'm not bashing, I'm not <laughs> yeah, bashing the describing state. Describing your experience. Yeah, yeah I'm just <laughs> des- describing my experience. Texas is definitely a very, very capitalist um, society. It's not the, the, the idea of higher education is not nearly as, as, as important. It doesn't have as much importance here. It's about figuring out a way to make a living. And however you get from point A to point B, it doesn't matter if you have a high school diploma or you have a college diploma from Harvard. Whereas on the East Coast, you have a lot more higher education and kind of academia, academics and academia influence societies. You know, you find that throughout the East Coast. Um, The biggest thing, too, what I would say is there's much more much more challenge than new york city faced with the pandemic with the number of people that were concentrated in a small area versus a place like dallas where people are more spread out and also the population is much less dense yeah um great point so these are all cultural norms and i do think when you when you evaluate the Kyrie situation i think there's 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 things that i think 
get lost in this whole idea of freedom of thought. I think um, if you look at that situation, first of all, I think Joe Tsai hasn't been held nearly accountable enough for his actions, even the petty approach that he had to the trade negotiation of not wanting to trade him to the Lakers and not trading him to the place that he wanted to go, even if they would have offered more value. I think they got a great deal. But and also his handling of Kyrie Irving with specifically with the anti-Semitism belief system, specifically in Brooklyn. I know it's a big deal because the Jewish community has a tremendous amount of influence and is also very prevalent in in Brooklyn specifically. But I think his approach, even to like a lot of the Jewish community, felt a little harsh in the way that he gave him an indefinite suspension. Um, forcing him like a child to apologize, like you don't dictate his opinions, right? Um, But the flip side of it is I think there's a lot of lessons that Kyrie needs to learn in terms of maturity and understanding his role and responsibility as a public figure because some of his actions actually impacted his ability to play and help his teammates who he does have an obligation to. So I understand those those concerns, but I think what I think that is unfair that's happened is that Kyrie is held to a standard of accountability, but then the ownership group and the organization isn't held to that same level of accountability. You know, the reason that this trade, I think it was very valid in requesting a trade from the team and saying, I don't want to be there. You know what I mean? And I don't want to play for this owner. He has that right. And I think he does benefit from going to a mid-market team away from the firestorm of media in New York. I think both people who live in New York and people who live in L.A., they have a little bit of hubris when it comes to how important their belief system is versus the rest of the countries. Um, and I think there's <laughs> there's there's some of this in, in Northern California and kind of with the tech growth as well. But I think those three communities specifically um, really, really care so much more about dictating um, what what their populations can and can't do. You know what I mean? Um, Dallas, I think he will find a great home. He's got Jason Kidd there, who's very influential in his life. Uh, the GM is also someone who kind of negotiated the Nike deal for him. And so he's been his 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 partner so he's with people he trusts and if you look at the commentary from Kyrie's teammates i know i'm getting long-winded here but um with Kyrie's teammates they've all had nothing but great things to say about him um as a teammate so i think all of these people who are pouring cold water on Kyrie and trying to say this is a terrible move and really trying to crush him, I think you really have to look in the mirror and say, why do you hate this man so much that you <laughs> root? To an insane degree. Yeah, <laughs> to the point that you want him to fail and you don't even accept the fact that the man is averaging 27 points a game and five assists and has won a championship. Uh, in one a very, of his best seasons to date right now. Yeah, and they were 18-2 and two since he came back from the whole Josiah yep. concerns. And again, so, a, a self-created issue there with the Nets, right? Like yeah. benching him for eight games for a tweet. Yeah. That's the whole kind of under. I just think that the the reaction of society in handling these situations always makes the situation worse and not better. And we really have to evaluate what our system of reaction um, to people saying things that we don't like or that may hurt us is. Yeah, 
So let's grab let's grab a couple thoughts um, on on the sport itself, uh, on the game on the court before we switch over to Super Bowl predictions. Um, do you think that this makes the Mavs a contender this year? Oh, hundred percent. If you look at what's been happening with the Mavericks of late, like if you look at Luka Doncic, his usage rate is the highest in the NBA. We saw this for many years with 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 LeBron. LeBron. You got to get a guy help, and most importantly, if you look at that that team, there's nobody that Luka can go to. Everything stems from Luka's creativity yeah. right now. Um, and they made it to the Western Conference Finals last year, but you're seeing the burnout. Despite him having an MVP season, the team is two games above 500. This was a move that was necessary, and I think also when people criticize, you know, the Mavericks for going after Kyrie, you also have to look at there's not. First of all, there aren't too many opportunities to get a top 10 caliber player in the NBA. And there's also fewer opportunities where there's not some baggage that comes with that type of elite talent. So that on on that note, it's like socially too, is there a more respected owner than Cuban in the NBA? Um, I mean, probably not. I mean, I can't think of, I can't think, I mean, probably, probably the, uh, the warriors ownership group probably is the most, most respected. I like that for, from this, from the lens of like, we talked about the ownership issues in, in, um, Brooklyn, like, Cuban's always been about what happens on the court first. He's been very intelligent about structuring his teams and the Mavs like they I think they had one year where they were washed and you know they were tanking and, yeah, and uh, it, that was it. Yeah. And it's really really hard to draw like you would think okay it's the Dal- it's Dallas is not an easy market to draw free yeah. agents to. So the move made a lot of sense and then also from a financial picture perspective even if Kyrie walks at the end of the season, what this has done from a strategic, they were in cap trouble. What this does is if Kyrie walks, it opens up a max level slot for them to get another free agent, which they would not have been able to do with the current makeup of the team. They were going to have to trade from a, from a salary cap standpoint to make it work. And then you also satisfy Luca. I don't think that Luca was going to stick around with Dallas out of loyalty um if he was continuing to perform well but they couldn't win now they have a real chance to win and you saw this you know they're talking about the defensive struggles you know and i and i i had dinner with with uh with larry hughes this weekend he was talking about in the nba now it's like there's more than enough position possessions for two two ball dominant players to coexist because Defense has been de-emphasized, and just the number of pos- offensive possessions the teams has. There's more than enough ball to go around, and you saw this. You know, Luca is very similar to LeBron James, and we saw how the LeBron and Kyrie partnership worked out for them. You know what I mean? So I don't really understand. I feel like the concerns are based more in the dislike of Kyrie than they are based in actual basketball analysis here. I agree. I think if you look at it in terms of what's happening on the court, this is a pretty much a perfect partnership. It's as good of a situation as you could ask for for Luca. And your great point on the contract side, I think that side goes over a lot of folks' heads. Being able to create the space on your on your salary caps to be able to bring in a max player is huge, and it's very difficult to do. Uh, it doesn't come around often. So, um, without you know destroying your team and basically sending everyone away, right? So, yep. I think it's incredible it was, work. 
Yeah, and some of the silly stuff, I don't know if you saw this, that people are saying that the the Mavericks wouldn't even be in this situation if they didn't let uh, Brunson walk. It's it's like, like, you can't compare Brunson and Kyrie. (laughs) It's just silly. (laughs) Like, just because you dislike someone, you can just find a way to justify any analysis whatsoever. And it's just... Uh, And I I also want to say this. Of everyone playing basketball right now, the players that I believe play the sport with the most amount of love are right now Luca, Giannis, and Kyrie. The most yeah. love coming out of them when they play. Watching Kyrie play to me is like a spiritual experience. Like the the way he moves with the ball, it's flow from the moment he steps on the court to the moment he gets off. Like there's no no wasted movement, no wasted step, no wrong step in any direction. Everything is perfectly flowing. And Luca's the same way when you watch him play. I think yeah. like two players you, like that is going to be amazing to see. Yeah. I think you would have to add uh, Steph Curry. Steph, uh, yeah, that was, that was the one I was Curry, on the fence on. Yeah. yeah. And Dame Lillard. And then yes. um, finally, even though, you know, off the court, it's, it's a little bit less likable. When you watch KD actually play the game, uh, on yes. the court, it is poetry. Like the guy is yeah. special. I would so, say this and, year, um, I saw LeBron play in person last week. Yeah. His passing game right now, the way he's developed that, the way he's developed his overall game, is beautiful. I wouldn't say he plays with love to the same extent right now because of the drama that's going on. But I would say he, when he's like in a really joyful place mentally, he does he does embody it as well. Yeah, and it's it's really unfortunate to see what's happening with the Lakers because, you know, the, the, when we talk about functional organizations versus dysfunctional organizations, the writing is on the wall that Rob Linka is not doing a good job over there. Yeah. Um, and he continues, they'll fire the coach. But, you know, you start to wonder what the backdrop of political, the guy drove Magic Johnson out of the building. Like, at a certain point, what is what is going on here that somebody that's creating so much damage to the organization and also not doing a very good job at his job, why he continues to kind of get a free pass? Yeah, it's interesting. Like, and that's I think that's what happens in these larger cities, too. Like the advantage of being a mid-market team is that you have a little bit of cover. You can just kind of make your moves to your things. But with the amount of drama around the Lakers all the time, it's just like even accountability seems to be hard to have because you're defending your people. Like I've been in this situation when, you know, you when you face a lot of criticism, you end up defending your people and it could blind you to their flaws. Yeah, because it's pretty crazy how openly LeBron is expressing his dis- <laughs> dislike for the fact that they didn't get Kyrie Irving. I was like, isn't this some sort of tampering? Yeah, can you do that? Can you, like, can you just do an interview the next day? And just He's be basically like, like I wish Kyrie was here and I have to deal with these bums that are here right now. <laughs> it's crazy, too, because Braun and AD both are bawling right now. Yeah. And they can't win a game. Yeah, I mean, the biggest issue with with AD is availability, right? Like, even if he balls and they get into playoff contention, you don't know if he's going to be there later yeah. on. You yeah. know, and I and I and I think that that the amount of vitriol that Russell Westbrook has gotten from a trade that he didn't ask for, the way that people in LA guy. treat the guy, and it's like this is like a top fifty NBA player. Like, it's also his act- hometown. 
Yeah, yeah, and they act like he's the problem, and it's yeah. like he's playing pretty well this year too. He's playing well, incredibly yeah. well this year, especially yeah. in a six-man role. The biggest issue with that team is that Rob Plinka did not understand that if you have AD, LeBron, and Russell Westbrook, the rest of the team should be role players who shoot threes. And they For literally whatever reason they didn't they didn't have a they don't have a single shooter. You have a stretch big, and then you have a three and D defender, and they don't have those. You can't do that with the structure of that team. It's it doesn't make any sense to be honest. <laughs> it honestly, looks like it looks like if I was in middle school changing the team on NBA Two K. That's what the Lakers construction yeah. is like, where you're like, I don't know any of these other players, but let me just get the stars I want. And you see it throughout sports. It's clear that the team is poorly constructed to succeed in in the game that exists in the NBA. So why isn't the person that put the team together being held accountable for that? Yeah. It's, it's that pretty... it's a random player on the team. <laughs> just like, what the what the fuck, guys? Russell Westbrook's just sitting here like, what? Why are y'all looking at me? Like, I'm just doing what I'm asked to do is come out here and play basketball. <laughs> and I'm sure in town like LA, the gossip circuits are like, what kind of dirt does Russell Rob Palinka have on Genie Bus. Hundred <laughs> percent. So now let's uh, let's make our transition out of basketball. Um, we got the Super Bowl coming up this weekend. It should be a very very fun game. Uh, I want to highlight kind of two things that are going on with both quarterbacks. Um, one is that Jalen Hurts came back from a shoulder injury that he suffered later in the season, and since he came back from the shoulder injury. Uh, his longer distance passes have been much less accurate um, than they were for the first part of the season. Uh, so that's something just to keep an eye on in terms of limitations for the Eagles offense. And then vice versa, uh, the Chiefs have Mahomes suffering from this ankle injury uh, from last game. Uh, it'll surely have healed to some extent by now, but he will not be 100%. I don't care what he tells you. Like, that's not how fast those things heal, you know? So. I think two interesting developments, given that they're both very agile quarterbacks and um, elements of both of their games are taken away. Uh, both teams constructed really well. Obviously, the Chiefs coached really well, kind of got lucky uh, with their win against the Bengals because it really didn't look like they were going to be able to pull that one out. Um, what's what's your sentiment as we're getting closer to the game? Be like, Do you feel like uh, things have changed in terms of how you perceive the matchup or um, as it draws closer like do you have any sort of sense um, one way or the other that you think this will go yeah I mean as an NFL fan there's so many exciting storylines right Andy Reid's old organization the Eagles which he couldn't get a Super Bowl win um, there but went to the Chiefs um, got the Super Bowl win Nick Sirianni having when Andy Reid took the coach, the head coach of the Eagles, when Andy Reid took the job um, with the Chiefs, he fired Nick Sirianni as the as the wide receivers coach, and Nick Sirianni coming out and saying that put a chip on his shoulder, um, and it, it it does serve as motivation. And being honest about that is pretty cool. Um, and then also like looking at the history of the NFL, like there continues to be a pervasive problem within organizations um, and it's shown in the draft every year um, the hesitancy to draft black quarterbacks over the prototypical white QB the most recent example being Zach Wilson 
um, being drafted at number two um, a couple years ago, <laughs> simply because they they said his arm looked good. You know, the Johnny Manziel's. There's so many of these quarterbacks, Mitchell Trubisky. They get drafted over black quarterbacks who, by every metric, like Justin Fields has the highest Wonderlick score of any QB. Um, in NFL history, I don't and know. He's, if people, he's an incredible passer, and, and he's an incredible he passer. Brand of oh, he can he he can run like he he's a good runner, and it's like yeah. actually he's a better passer than most quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, and the Jalen Hurts situation, the guy yeah. didn't get drafted till the third round of the NFL draft, and so the fact that for the very first time in NFL history, we're seeing two black quarterbacks go against each other. That more than anything is hopefully what's going to start driving the narrative toward, hey, you know, winning solves all. Both of these guys proving that you can consistently win and be at the top of your game hopefully helps kind of the NFL's overall race issue, both with at the QB position and at the hiring of coaches position. Um, there's nothing better to show, hey, your line of thinking isn't right when you see the two quarterbacks in the biggest game look like Patrick Mahomes. It's never happened before. It's yeah. so amazing to think about in the history of NFL and how many black black athletes are in the NFL that we've never seen two, you know, black QBs go head to head. I just think that that's 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 powerful as well. And we're seeing the two, truly the two best teams this season play against each other. Um, that makes for a great game. I yeah. think there's there's that and, and there's some. and can we can we just take a second here? This is this is definitely going to be the clip, bro. Um, but let's have a little fun, and I, I'm going to say this right to the camera, Bama fans. You have no business claiming Jalen Hurts. He is not built by Bama, as your hashtag say. Jalen Hurts, you wanted out of Bama. I heard no end to get Jalen Hurts out of QB one while he was playing for you. And now that he's good, he's the center athlete in your Pro Bowl graphic. He didn't even go to Bama as far as anyone's concerned who watched the game. And he might have a degree from there. He's played a few years from there. But it is 100% different than Joe Burrow and Ohio State. Because Ohio State fans did not say, get Joe Burrow the fuck out of there like Bama fans did. And that's purely the difference when it comes to claiming somebody. Yeah, it's always interesting, you know. Back then, you didn't know me. Now you, you know, <laughs> and and it was interesting how much Alabama fans like shit on Jalen Hurts, despite him being an extremely successful quarterback there for two seasons. They 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 definitely did not like him uh, there. Uh, the fan base did not like him, and now to act like you love him um, is is pretty disingenuous. Uh, overall, although one thing Jalen Hurts will give credit to is that Bama was critical. The, the coaching staff there and the, the strength and conditioning, the development was definitely critical to put him in a position to transfer for one year in Oklahoma, shine, and go on to the NFL. All, you know this, is, I mean? all this is true, V. Uh, uh, yeah. No disagreement. But if you're a fan, fan of Alabama and you said, uh, and I'll put two things out there. One, if you're a fan of Alabama and you talk shit about Jalen Hurts when he was on your team, you have no ability to claim him. Sorry, you gave that opportunity up when you talk shit. Now, number two, did you see the Pro Bowl graphic that Alabama put out? That they had the yeah. most Pro Bowl players? 
Who's the center biggest person in that graphic? The only player who didn't make his make his like career defining like you know year and get drafted from there. Jalen Hurts, center yeah. of the center of the graphic. This doesn't make any sense, dude. Yeah, I mean you're definitely right, and I think that, that they can be added to the long list of Jalen Hurts haters. I got a quick story to tell about the Jalen Hurts situation. Going back to the, the earlier point, right? Like. Mm-hmm. I was in this 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 like group conversation with these like uh these like diehard football guys like fantasy football they sports bet all the time they 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 research they literally probably spend more time on football than they do their actual life and I was like when the whole Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts situation was happening they were just like Jalen Hurts can't throw the ball he's not good enough Carson Wentz is way better than him you know, and it was like, it was so funny because I was like, I, I called him out. I was like, you know, you, even though you guys are, I don't, I wouldn't call any of you guys racist. You guys are falling into all of the prejudice is of the quarterback and not understanding that if Jalen Hurts was Tim Tebow, you would be touting how great of a leader he is, <laughs> how great of a person he is and render everything else irrelevant. And then also make the assumption that he can't throw the ball, that he can't be a quarterback simply because you had this picture in your head of him being this athletic, this athletic QB who can't throw the ball. And then those, you know, and then Jalen Hurts takes over. Literally the only difference in that team is Jalen Hurts versus Carson Wentz. And what it was, was the leadership qualities. I'm not going to argue that from an arm talent standpoint, Carson Wentz isn't the better player. But it's just important to underscore the fact that the reason that Jalen Hurts is a great quarterback isn't just his physical tools, that often that's what gets labeled with. It's, it's all of the intangibles that we often give, give credit to guys like Tim Tebow for because they, they're not athletic enough. It's just, it's just a cool, cool situation. Yeah. And also, because even Oklahoma fans, they didn't really like Jalen, think that Jalen Hurts was the greatest thing ever it's just he's really proven everybody wrong and it's yeah. just a cool story alabama fans you know and i think he'll take it right he'll take it that he'll take, uh, he'll take the love now he'll, t- sure. he'll take the love he'll take the jersey sales but you know i think he's just a leader man like even another thing that i saw you know i, I know his his people on his agency team well the other thing that's really cool about something that Jalen Hurts did is his entire business team are females. Yeah, he, I lo- I he love specifically that did that on purpose to kind of advance advance the cause of females in sports um as well and I think he just does everything right and I think that's a guy that um should be promoted in much the same way that a Tim Tebow or some of these other kind of guys get promoted. Shout out Jalen Hurts. Couldn't agree more. So let's let's do it, V. Let's do some some um picks. Let's do our score predictions for the Super Bowl. Uh you wanna go first? You want me? You can go first. This is really tough for me. I'm still trying one. to I'm going Eagles. Um I think it's gonna be a tight game though. I think it's going to be thirty one twenty four Eagles. That's a good that's a good score prediction. Um, I am actually going to go with the Chiefs, Ooh. and analysis tells me Eagles, but I just think that a team that's so well built like the Eagles are, 
the only way you're going to beat that team is if you have a player that can create magic. And I think this is the perfect opportunity for Patrick Mahomes to kind of like say, doesn't matter how good the team is. We have me, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that's kind of been the storyline of his career. Um, and so long as he gets his receivers back, a couple of his receivers back healthy, I really think that, and then Andy Reid having two weeks to prepare for this defense is really going to help uh, Kansas City win the game. And I do think it's going to be high scoring, just like you said. I think it's going to be um, it's going to be thirty five twenty eight. Okay, Kansas City. Okay. This is going to be a fun one, fun one to watch, and uh, it, obviously we'll have some some fun ads, hopefully, to discuss after the Super Bowl this year as well. I mean, everybody's. I mean, one last thing I want to touch on here is everyone's really, really hype about the Rihanna performance, yeah. right? And I really like Rihanna. I love her personality and everything, but I've never found her to be beyonce level entertaining when i see her perform so it's going to be interesting to see and we haven't seen anything from her in years so it's going to be interesting i mean she understands the moment and i think she knows branding and marketing well so i think it will be interesting but i'm not as like certain that we're going to see what we saw from a beyonce super bowl show from from rihanna or even the uh the la one right which yeah. was um, Dre and Mary J. Blige, Eminem, Snoop. Yeah, yeah. That's the best Super Bowl halftime show I've seen. Uh, I mean, I'm obviously somewhat biased there from a hip hop perspective, but oh yeah. Um, you know, I think that. Uh, but I does think- she does she bring out feature artists? Maybe we should just maybe we should just. Hold off on judgment until yeah. we see the performance. Because if she brings out Eminem and they do that song "Monster," if she brings out. Kanye. Well, I guess and Kanye's Jay. not cool anymore. If she brings out Jay and they do Run This Town, then we're fucking talking. You, you know for a fact, like, this is the funny thing about Jay-Z. <laughs> and we got to call him out on this. This is the same guy who was, like, banning the NFL. But as soon as he got the opportunity to control <laughs> the Super Bowl halftime show, he's, like, pro-NFL. He always, like, <laughs> takes the right stance. And he always maneuvers into the – put himself in the position to yep. dictate – and he stays low-key about it too yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's gonna he's gonna definitely make sure run this town is performed so that he can get his super bowl facetime you know <laughs> and rihanna's rihanna it's so interesting that two out of the three performers since he's taken over have been rock nation affiliated artists <laughs> or somebody he's married to bro so, <laughs> i know wait till next year it'll be jay cold running the super bowl dreamville super bowl yeah <laughs> you gotta respect you gotta respect the business savvy of this man so. yeah 100 <laughs> percent. well let's let's wind this thing up uh enjoy the super bowl to everybody that's watching have a great weekend uh tweet us you know comment on our tiktoks tell us what you think tell us if you think we're stupid and why we're stupid and what we what we got wrong or what we got right and uh we'll see you next week definitely looking forward to it man let's talk next week all right. And, uh, uh, always, always remember to we 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 got caught saying the same thing at the same time. I so. know, bro. You got it. <laughs> and always stay moving and be you. You was fly. Pilot boys. Where the pilot boys at? <laughs>